All right, good morning, Community Church. You know, as people are filtering in, we need to remind ourselves of what this is about. This is about God who sent His Son to make it possible for you and me to have a relationship with Him. Can you say amen? Amen. God so loved us, God so loves you, that He sent His Son to deliver us from death, to deliver us from sickness. So we just say this morning, let's give Him the praise and the worship the honor that's due his name because he's not only giving us that as a hope for the future but he says listen I want to invade your present I want to come in to the world in which you live and so he told us to pray this way your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven so father this morning as we worship you we say Lord Bring down the reality of who you are. Bring down the reality of eternity, of righteousness, of judgment, of a soon-coming kingdom which every eye will see. Amen. Let's worship him. Father, this morning we want to release the revelation of your kindness. Jesus likened the father to a mother hen that nurses her young and there's times when God is a hard master he's a strict disciplinarian but there's times when he just pulls you under the wing under the shadow so we come under the shadow of the almighty Because there's people here who need to feel, need to know the kindness of God this morning. He's so kind. The words of that song just reverberate in my spirit. You have been so kind to me. Remember, remember the kindness of the Lord right now. No matter what state What circumstances surround you, remember the kindness, the absolute unmerited favor that God gave. It's like liquid honey when it comes on you. It's the mercy of God, the kindness of an eternal father who loved you so much he was willing to give you every opportunity to turn your heart and your face toward him. Oh God, we celebrate your kindness today. We say, Lord, yes, you have been kind. Come on, speak it out. We break through the lies. We break through the lies that say, I deserve more. This is unfair. God, no, you have been more than fair. So kind.
you have been, you have been. There's a line in the song and it says, When I was your foe, still your love fought for me. Even when we stood against him, he fought for us. Even today when we don't fully listen to him, he is still fighting for us. When it doesn't feel like it, he is fighting for us. During worship, I had just this vision. And had this vision that many of us in this room have come up against this wall. And we've tried to climb over this wall so many times. And I can almost see that person right at the top with their arms just about getting over that wall. And they're kicking, and they're kicking to get over. But all of a sudden, they slide back down that wall. And there's this temptation just to stop fighting, just to quit. Let me tell you something. When we were fighting against him, he was fighting for us. Today, as we go through our struggles, he has not left you behind. He has not abandoned you. And his voice is saying right now, rise up, stand up, keep fighting. The journey is not over. Keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. So in your spirits right now, just begin to shift from I don't know if I can do it to keep going, keep fighting, keep fighting. As we've declared, he is good, he is good. I will keep going, I will keep fighting. The wall is not too big because he is bigger. Jesus. Jesus. So, Father, we choose today not to align ourselves with these lies and these voices. They're so tempting. They shut us down. They cause us to go into neutral. They bring in feelings of self No worth, condemnation, shame. Father, today we choose not to align ourselves with those voices. We choose not to agree with them. We can't do this because it's Christ Jesus who strengthens us. So, Father, I pray right now that you would sever those statements, those moments where we've aligned ourselves with the doubt. And Father, right now that you would build our faith, shift our faith, shift our hearts, shift our attitudes, build us up, each one in this room right now, God. Build them up, give them strength, and transform their minds and their hearts. In Jesus' name, can we say amen? Is he good? I'm telling you, he is so good that in the midst of whatever it is, he's got our back. That is who he is. That's what he does. Amen? All right. So great to be back. I'm glad you missed me. 
So uh, just for those who haven't got any updates, because um, mostly I didn't give that many, but uh, we had a great time in uh, Guatemala with Kim and Lynn and uh, some people down there you know, and then I got the chance to spend some time in Dallas, three days, accidentally happened upon a major conference event that was with some friends of ours, so that was great, and then I ended up in Tennessee with uh, some people you may know called the Baines. Yeah, those Baines are getting big. Nathan is like 6'4". Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's super tall. Anyway, uh, it, was, it was a great time, and uh, wow, so great to be back with the body. I, it's, it's, on the one hand, I experience this amazing grace when I go out, because it is what I am called to do, and the unmistakable surge in the grace of God uh, on me when I go out is is a seal that I'm supposed to be going out. And it keeps reminding me that I cannot be here all the time. Yet, when I return, the foundation of faith that's here in this house is so uh, wonderful. <laughs> I mean, it, it just, there's some things you can do here that I can't do out there. Right. And yet there's grace I experience out there that I don't experience here. And so how would it marry those two, I don't know. But uh, it was uh, great to go and great to be back. So, but I do have some things to share today. And I wonder if Di could get on the keyboard because we are fighting against something. There is, a, there is a, an enemy trying to take advantage of some of your lives right now. God has determined to do something in your life. And the enemy comes on top of it and tries to use that thing that God is trying to do to create something God had no intention of happening in your life. And so we want to break through that because there is a genuine work of God. God is allowing a sifting in your life. Come on. God is doing, God is separating the wheat from the chaff in your life. He is trying to bring a penetration penetration where the sword of the spirit comes and separates between soul and spirit and this is a work that God is doing but the enemy is trying to use an opportunity to create disillusionment to create murmuring to create dissatisfaction to create hopelessness in order to steal away the very capacity of God to bring you into the thing that you most desire which is more of him. And so there's this challenge that God has when it comes to sifting, when it comes to creating faith in you. That is, uh, well, it's at the very least, it's a problem. But it's a significant problem because it's an oxymoron, because the very thing that God wants to train you to do, he can't give you. And the thing that would most encourage you, he can't give you because he's trying to get you to do that yourself. So I'll explain that in a minute. But I want you to lean in with me for a minute. Lean in with me to say, God, just begin to believe. Just begin to believe. I am in a journey. Say this. I am in a journey. I am in a journey with God. 
Yeah, we just declare right now we are in a journey with God. And Satan, you cannot meddle with this journey. God is the author and finisher of my faith. So we pull on the uh, providence of heaven. We pull on the intent. Father, in Jesus' name, we break through. And so we're trying to break something because the enemy has been like seeming like pouring concrete over your heart, over your mind, trying to immobilize your capacity to move. And we're saying right now, in Jesus' name, we're not going to have anything of it. So we pull on the providence of heaven. We pull on the intention of God. We pull on the outcomes that God has intended for us. We will be overcomers. We will be overcomers. In Jesus' name, 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 name, I come against the enemy of your soul that has whispered in your ear hopeless thoughts, disillusioning thoughts, thoughts that would cause you to turn around and retreat and pull back from the edge of faith. You will not fail. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Come on, decide right now. I'm not turning back. I'm moving ahead. I'm not going back. I'm going to be a part of the overcomers. I'm going to be a part of those who prevail. Come on, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood. This is not about people or circumstances. We're wrestling against principalities and powers that dread the emerging generation of faithful ones, that fear and loathe that people would begin to understand who they are and what God has already put in them. He is trying desperately to hold on in these moments. And it may seem to some like he has prevailed, but I'm telling you, he has not. He is scared. He is losing his grip. Ah, This morning I heard the Lord say to me, things are not as they appear. I did a program this last week on Daystar that's going to air at the beginning ball between Christmas and New Year. It is kind of a prophetic word for next year. And I was looking for something that God was going to say. And actually, I never heard it till this morning. So this part never got on the show. But it's that this, it's that things are not what they appear. And we are contending for this. We are contending. Come on. We are contending that reality will begin to penetrate the fog of illusion. That out of this uh, unreal existence that surrounds our culture and the nations, this lie, this lie of hopelessness and faithlessness will give way to an emerging reality. (laughs) We are tapping into a reality 
God, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, the Lord is presently undoing things. I see walls that the enemy has tried to build in your life between you and God. I see bricks in place, and I see the Lord pulling them away right now, dismantling a wall of isolation that the enemy has been building to keep you from the reality that you have been leaning into for all your life. In Jesus' name, no, I declare your life will not end on a sour note. Your life will end on a higher plane, on a higher plane, on a higher plane. The enemy keeps reminding some of you of how many failed in their journey, how many never made it, and who collapsed at the end of their days. And, the, you know, like Paul said to the Corinthians, he said, I believe better things for you. I believe better things for you. I believe better things for you. I believe better things for your children. I believe better things for the next generation. Don't buy into the lie that the next generation is going to be worse than any other generation. I declare the next generation is going to be the best generation that the earth has ever seen. The best generation is about to to emerge. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Can you feel the difference in the room? Can you feel the the breaking through the contending? Ha. You know, it's it's a funny thing because, (laughs) wow. There, there are these seasons I experience. You can sit down. But there, there, there's these seasons that I experience in here when I, I feel like I cannot exercise my gift. And part of my gift is just what I did a minute ago. Because, because there are some that have begin, begun to not believe. And so when I, when I start contending for that invisible realm, there are people in the room who start to believe, oh, he's just stirring up people's emotions. And so, and so I'm, I'm almost uh, inhibited from doing anything that looks like emotional manipulation, even though stirring up people's faith is actually stirring it up. You've got to stir it up. Now, David encouraged himself. That means what? He stirred up his own faith. I believe, I believe, I believe. But there is a real atmosphere. There is a real breakthrough. And it's not emotional. And I can't distinguish between those two things today for you. (laughs) That's, in fact, a part of the journey that you're in. But uh, God will make it real to you in time if it's not already clear. Hallelujah. Well, listen, I got a word this morning. I want to, this is the word, embracing the sifting of God. Embracing the sifting of God. (laughs) Uh, Now, there's a a scripture here in Matthew 12. Jesus is speaking and it says, then some of the scribes, verse 38 and 39, then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, teacher, we want to see a sign from you. But he answered and said to them, an evil sign. And an adulterous generation seeks for a sign. And so no sign will be given except the sign of the prophet Jonah. Man, there's so much in that. Just in that. It's just, it's stunning to me. What is the sign of the prophet Jonah? 
What is, what is the sign? Come on. Yeah, you could talk. You could, be American for a second. Pretend we're, we're having a conversation. Yeah, three days. But not only that, it begins with what? It begins with a kind of a death. You're right? When, when, uh, because Jonah, Jonah was concerned. Remember when Jonah was going to prophesy to Nineveh, but he didn't want to? You know why he didn't want to? He didn't want to look bad. Right? Because I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go prophesy. Then they're going to repent. And then you're not going to do it. And I look bad. What it, what it means is I opened myself up to an accusation that, see, the word wasn't even true. Because there's some that don't really repent and some that don't believe. And they believe it's all foolishness. And then when the thing that doesn't happen, doesn't happen, or that's supposed to happen, doesn't happen, then it confirms their unbelief. That's the sign of the prophet Jonah. So Jesus is facing a group of people who don't believe. And he says, so what sign am I going to give you? I'm going to play into your unbelief. Because the day's going to come where I'm going to die. And then you're going to say, look at that. He saved others. He couldn't save himself. <laughs> right? So I'm going to allow the, the actual affirmation of your unbelief. That's the sign I'm going to give you. Like, you don't want to be in that boat. You don't want to be on the side of things where God has said, okay, you don't believe? Let me help you. Let me harden your heart for you and confirm all of your unbelief. Do you want it? Uh, right? We don't want that to happen. He said, listen, there's two types of people. There's the people that believe and the people that don't. And this is a dividing point. We're at that pinnacle and the penny's going to drop on one side or the other for you. What's, you decide right now which side you want it to drop on. And sometimes in our journey, when God begins to introduce a sifting in our life, there's an opportunity to advance. But if we refuse it, we get the alternative. We set a path for ourselves based on those choices. So he's saying, listen, I'm not going to give you what your unbelief wants. I don't want to give you what your unbelief wants. And there's some of us that are right now in a time of testing. And we're longing for God to do a certain kind of thing to prove himself to you, to us. And he said, listen, if I prove myself to you, I put myself in the place of your servant. And I'm not going to do it. You need to be the servant. You need to believe. Now, well, yeah, but Lord... There were times when you went out of your way to show yourself to me. Yeah, but that's because you were lost and without hope. And so I did something to help you believe. And I've done that again and again and again and again. But now I'm calling you up. I want you to believe without a sign. And some of us are in the place, and this is what the sifting is. We're in a place where it's hard to believe, and so we're saying, God, do what you did before. Do that thing where you suspend all my doubts. I don't want to suspend all your doubts. I want you to start dealing with your doubts. Because if I do it all the time, I'm going to be doing it forever. Right? You know, it's a terrible thing that... A mother is cutting the toast for her 14-year-old teenager. <laughs> and, I, you know, I think that's a rarity, but uh, I think it probably happens. But, yeah, <laughs> I remember there was a, an episode on, uh, 
what was it? Uh, Everybody loves Raymond. And there, Raymond has this doting Italian mother, I think is her ethnicity, and you know, her idea of love is doing absolutely everything for her Italian son. And you know, so she, now he's married, and his wife doesn't want to dote on him like that. And, and so she's asking him to do something, and the mo- mother-in-law happens to be there, and she says, oh, I, I never ever made Raymond pick up any of his clothes. And the wife says, yes, thanks for that. So, listen, God is not your Italian mama. God is not here to enable your dysfunction. He's not going to be caught up in that game. And I'm sorry if you came from a parenting style where you were enabled to do everything you shouldn't have done because that's just set you up for a bad scenario. Now, God is trying to break that in his relationship with you. And for some of you, that's tough. Now, my mom used to do everything for me. So, Lord, come on. I knew you'd never say that. But God is not your mama. Oh, man. Oh. But, 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 but I love my mama. <laughs> then some of the scribes and Pharisees answered, saying, Teacher, we want to see a sign for you. Yeah, you're not going to get it, except the sign that you actually don't want. Because there's a trajectory you're choosing right now by either going with unbelief or belief. God. You see, exercising the muscle of faith is not easy at first. I mean, I'm stunned, actually, that of the kind of faith that's in my being right now, the kind of, the kind of assuredness. There's an assurance. There's just things that I know, that I know, that I know, and I don't need to have them reinforced. But there was a time when they need to be continually reinforced. But now it's just like I'm totally free of that and I'm on to other things. But at some point along the way, we start to stumble. Wow. So there's a shifting journey that God has you on because he knows what he wants to produce in you. And he wants to produce a capacity to believe, but he understands it's not that easy for us. In fact, Jesus said this. He says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? I don't know for sure what Jesus' intention was, and I probably don't get the whole thing, but I think he was suggesting that possibly faith is not as easy as it's cracked out to be. Not as simple. And so uh, Jesus is articulating some of the things to, uh, to his followers. And you remember Simon? Simon was a guy who, uh, he was a little overconfident. <laughs> Simon is a little overconfident. I think Simon is like many of us. Certainly, he's like me. He was a little overconfident. He thought he was further along the journey than he was. And so he's always bragging. Yeah, all these others may forsake you, but I'll never do it. Right? I don't know why I even picked these losers. <laughs> I'm your man. I'm the guy. And so Peter is being told about betrayal and things like that. And he says, I'll never leave you. Ah, oh, she's like, oh, Peter. Man, you're just playing right into the hands of the enemy. 
And so in Luke chapter 22, verse 31, the Lord says to him, he says, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. Wow. Is that, think about that for a second. Think of that for a second. How much did Jesus know about what was going on? How's that for a prophetic revelation? I already talked to the Father. I know. Ex- I saw Satan come to the Father and request to sift you. Wow. Okay. Pretty clear word there. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you are returned to me, oh, <laughs> wow, he's, okay, you are going to stumble significantly. Depart, leave. It says, when you are returned to me, strengthen your brethren. So he, but he said, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Because that's the kind of guy I am. <laughs> then he said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you deny Three times that you know me. He said, you're not going to die for me. You're not going to go to the cross for me. You're not going to prison for me. You can't even, you won't even be able to stand up to a woman accusing you. You, you, you won't even be able to stand up to looking bad. And, and I'm not, I don't blame you, Peter, because you're going to be up against things you've never been up before, up against before. Are you guys with me? Yeah. Come on, let's, let's lean in. Father, in Jesus' name. You notice how the atmosphere's kind of left the room? All right, let's lean in. Let's lean in. Let's lean in. God, in Jesus' name, we want this thing to be real. We want this work to be real. God, in Jesus' name, we refuse. We refuse. We refuse. We refuse that atmosphere of unbelief. God, in Jesus' name. Mm. Now... Man, he, he says, hey, I, I, I know that Satan wants to sift you. So I was thinking, you know, I wonder what the actual definition of sifting is. So I went to that handy Google concordance or, you know, dictionary, and I looked it up, and it says the action of sifting. Yeah, that's the definition of sifting, the action. Of, uh, who wrote this? That's what happens when you let people just create their definitions out of nothing we don't want that to ever happen but it literally means to separate grain from wheat i mean uh, sorry grain from chaff so the the grain right is is the uh, the 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 nourishing part it's the part you want to keep it's the life the chaff is the outer shell and so here's what jesus is saying he said listen satan has desired to sift you I didn't say no. I love that part. I prayed <laughs> that you'll come back. Wow. In other words, I'm not afraid of the sifting in your life. I'm not afraid of the sifting in your life. In fact, I know that it's critical. You know, when your father is looking at you right now, he's saying, listen, I'm allowing you to be sifted. I'm allowing you to be sifted. And I'm not afraid of that because... Come on, Murray, because I know you're going to make it through. I know you're going to make it through. Say that. I'm going to make it through. I'm going to make it through. Lord, we are your workmanship, prepared for good works. 
God, whatever may happen, whatever may happen, I'm saying right now, I will make it true. It's not maybe going to maybe it's not going to be easy. Maybe it's not going to be simple, but I choose today to make it true. Now, some of you, you are like Peter and you got the sifting because you were bragging too much. Others of you are getting the sifting because it's just time. It's just time. God has, God has actually looked at your faith. He's looked at your, your faithfulness. He's looked at your diligence. He's looked at your heart. He's looked at the desires for you to experience, experience more of the kingdom. And maybe you didn't understand what was involved in going up a layer, but you said, Lord, I want to go higher with you. They're like, stupid prayers. <laughs> Because, you know, there's a great analogy some years ago. What's that guy's name? Mark Laforte will remind me. This guy gave a sermon about how God loves to play hide-and-go-seek. Graham Cook. Yes, thanks, Mark. (laughs) I gave him an invitation to be on the tape, and he just didn't even take it. (laughs) Yeah. God God plays hide-and-seek. And what he does is he comes into your world and touches you. That's what God does. He does you a favor. He reveals something of himself. He, those, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness, right, will see God. And so when he sees that desire, that hunger, that he, he'll, he'll respond to that and he'll give you a touch of his reality. He invades the natural world and he says, I'm real. But his whole plan is not to keep invading your world. He wants to pull you into his world. And so he, 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 to start you off, he facilitates these visitations where he comes on you. And you, you come to church and everything is so great. The presence of God. I mean, first note, the presence of God touched me. That's an amazing sermon and everything's great. But all of a sudden, things aren't as great as they used to be. And you think, what happened to all the goodness? Maybe these people are in sin. Maybe there's difficulties. Maybe, maybe the pastor's stealing money. Now, he's the lead pastor now, so that's him. <laughs> I want to defend him. No, don't say that about Chris. Chris is not stealing any of the money. There's systems of accountability. But God is working with you because he wants to bring you into the invisible world. He wants to make the invisible world real. And he can't make the invisible world real to you by always manifesting the invisible world. He wants you to go into it. And so he whets your appetite. He, he gives you a sense of excitement towards this and he touches you. He said, now seek me. Seek me. But you know, you know how it is, right? Like we have this thing with kids. We play these hide-and-go-seek games. And you know, sometimes you just hide something a little too hard. And the little guy can't quite find it. And he's getting discouraged. He's ready to give up. I can't find it. And so you help him out. But you help him out because if he's not looking at all, then you're going to say, no, 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 look harder. Are you, are you in that position today? Where you're like, oh, I can't find you. He said, look harder. (laughs) Wait longer. Come on. He's a good God. 
He's a good God. He's a good God. And when he says, look harder, wait longer, he's not punishing you. He's giving you a promise. He's saying, listen, I want to bring you into something you've never experienced before. Something on a scale that your heart has been longing for. But I have to extinguish something. There's something that's dying with each passing minute that you continue to seek even though you don't find. You are, you are moving into something that's precious and wonderful. But it's not, it's not easy. But listen, hey, let's be real here. Where are you in the journey? Well, I, I got pretty strong faith, right? That's, that's what we would like to think. I got pretty strong faith, you know. I mean, I mean I'm not on, on the top scale, but probably a seven out of ten. Don't, don't show your hands. We're not going to do a survey here of what you think you are. But here, here's a little. God, God has these great ways of letting us know where we're at in the journey. Little report card moments. Now, let's relate it to natural maturity. When you have a little baby that's born, right? A little baby's born. And uh, of course, everything we do is nurturing, right? It's all one-sided. It's like we don't ask that kid to do anything. We do everything for them. And that's, that's an enviable place to be, right? In some ways. But there's a thing called I think they call it object permanence. Object permanence. It's a, it's a threshold of mental maturity that a child comes into where, where they actually realize that things exist even when I don't see them anymore. Right? It's like, so, you know, we play peekaboo, and the kid, you know, he, you're, you lift that little blanket, and boom, you're gone. And then you pull it down, and then the kid's like, ah, oh, this is amazing. It's a miracle. You weren't there, then you're there. You weren't there, you're there. You weren't there. Stunning, supernatural. But there comes a place where that child recognizes it doesn't start crying and falling apart as soon as mom goes around the corner. But you remember those stages, mom, where, where, you know, some of the, particularly if the child is a little more insecure, like as soon as they lose sight of mom, it's like, ah! Life is hard. <sighs> Sometimes that's us spiritually. Oh, I'm a believer. I'm great and everything. God, where are you? Right? Something happens. A little tension. A little problem. God, God's not bathing you in. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. You're the best. You're the greatest. You know, affirmation, encouragement is great. But when you need it to take the next breath, it's a problem. Right? When you're so dependent upon the constant reinforcement of your faith, it suggests your faith is not very strong. It doesn't have the tensile strength to endure any kind of delay. See, faith has a capacity for delayed gratification. Because it knows that the thing it believes in is real, even if it can't see it. So the question is, how often do you need God to come in and say, oh yeah, I love you. 
Okay, come and do my work. Come and do it. We're going we're gonna to go. We're going we're gonna to go and we're going to take the enemy. Come on, you, you can do this. We get up halfway through the battle. I get a little cut on me. Oh, where's my mommy? God is saying, I'm training you. I'm equipping you. I, I, want, I want you to be the kind of person that can go anywhere and do anything. Oh, with a constant, complete assurance. A constant, complete assurance. I mean, think about, think about Paul when he said how many things he suffered. He said, we were beaten by the Jews. We were imprisoned. We were in lack. We were in difficulties. We suffered. We were cold. We were, we were tired. You know, I mean, on and on the list goes. How many of us could do that? It's like, this is not the victorious overcoming life I signed up for. Right? I mean, you know, David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or, or begging bread. And I'm hungry. How does this jive? Well, if you have a hard time believing, it doesn't jive well. And you start to vacillate. You start to warble. You start to manifest your instability. God is wanting to remove that from you. He wants to create in you an ability to know that things are alive, things are real without him repeating the same promise every day. Now, there's so many ways that this can go. But you listen, when Peter had that work done in him, right? Peter was, he thought he had more faith than he actually did, and Jesus came and showed him, well, maybe not. Maybe not as much, but that's okay, because I'm going to put you, I have a system for creating faith and strengthening faith in you. And so later on in Peter, Peter's uh, first book, 1 Peter, I think it's 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6 and 9, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom, having not seen, you love. Though now you do not see him, yet believing... There are people here in this room who for a season were shaken. For a season. Come on, young people. There is a season where you begin to doubt whether God was real because things did not unfold in the way you'd hoped them. And it's actually God suspending the artificial affirmation of what he was trying to get you to believe because God understands a principle from Romans chapter 8, and it essentially says this. It says, hope that is seen is not hope. Hello. He said, listen, I want to get you to believe the unseen, not always be in a position where I have to give you the ability to see it for you to believe it. I'm trying to change your hope into faith because faith says faith uh, faith is a substance of things hoped for. What does that mean? Faith is a substance of things hoped for. Faith 
All right? That, that thing that you're not experiencing right now, faith creates the reality of it even if it's not there. Object permanence. It causes you to know that he's real. Not only is he real, everything that exists exists because of his sound, because of his voice, because of his word. Not only that, everything that comes into being, every good gift, every, every proper season that brings to the earth refreshing and sunlight in its season so that we get, we get great yields, everything that works well, works well because of him. Absolutely everything good that happens in your life happens because of him. Huh. You know, Paul relates that to sowing seeds and watering them. He says, says, some sow and others water, but God gives the increase. Why? Because that's the invisible part. We don't understand. We We just think, well, this thing just works. If you just sow and you water, it comes. No, you're missing the, you don't see that it only comes because God says come. Everything that works only works because God says It'll work. Oh, it's bringing us into a little deeper water. We touched on it a few weeks ago. We touched on it a few weeks ago where, no, I don't even want to go there. It's, it's, it'll complicate things. But let me, let me go to Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I want to read this for you. As God is sifting, he's saying, I want you to live in the reality of the invisible. I want the invisible to become visible to you, not because you see it, but because you see it with the eyes of faith. That's what faith is. It's getting another set of eyes It causes you to see something that others can't see, but you know it's there. You're not guessing it's there. You're not hoping it's there. You absolutely know it's there. For we who were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. The capacity of faith has perseverance in it. It doesn't faint. It doesn't get weak. It doesn't diminish in its strength over time. It perseveres. It's like, know that I, I know that I know that I know. And God is trying to say, listen, there's a difference between hope. There's a difference between positive thinking. There's a difference between mental affirmation and actual faith. Actual faith does not need to be reinforced. It knows, it sees, it possesses that which it does not have. Every time we come into this room, God God is calling us to engage with the invisible. But we always start from a place of the natural. And what happens is somebody in the room starts to believe and then the eternal, the invisible starts to invade this space. 
And then somewhere along the line, we kick in with our worship and our praise and our adoration, depending on where we are in the faith pecking order. Did you know that? God is saying, I want to sift you. Imagine that. Satan wants to sift you, and God wants to sift you. Satan wants to just bring destruction. He wants to demoralize you. He wants to see you struggling. He wants to see you hurting. But God's saying, you know what? I'm not afraid of this sifting because I believe that you're going to come through. Let's stand up together. I want you to start by saying, Father, forgive me. Father, forgive me. I want to be a vessel of faith. I want to be a vessel of faith. Say that. I want to be a vessel of faith. I want to believe. I want to be a vessel of faith. I want to believe. I want to believe in the unseen, in the invisible. I want to bring, listen, there's people out there that don't have the capacity to believe. And so you got to be the ones that are God's anchor for their lives to bring that confidence to them, to speak words that make that hope alive in them. You see, this is the beauty of what God wants you to be. When you have faith, you communicate faith further and you fill up the void that's in their life. You help those who come in this room and are under it, who are under the weight and wonder, is God real? Does he love me? You know, can I expect anything good from him today? And you, with faith, you just charge in to those open doors of grace and you enter before his throne with boldness. And as you open that door, the atmosphere of heaven starts to touch those ones who don't even move from their proverbial seats. They're just, oh, oh, I'm starting to feel it. God does love me. Hallelujah. Wow, God does love me. My question is, how many of those can we have in the room and still get a breakthrough? How many can we absorb? How many can your unbelieving people, can your faith stand in the gap for? More if you go through the sifting. More, more, more. He's saying, listen, I want to use you to bridge the gap. So, Father, we say, we will not shrink back We will not doubt. We will not question. We will endure hardships as a good soldier because you are faithful. Now, having said that, we still need each other. There's always going to be moments where things are hard and we need a word I remember when I was in that dark night of the soul and I was in a prayer line with Chuck Flynn and I couldn't feel God. I had a vague notion that he might still like me. But when Chuck Flynn came along, he, as soon as he put his hand on my head, it's just like all the, the presence of God, the anointing brought, made real what I kind of had a notion was still true but was wavering on. But then as soon as he lifted his hand off my head, I was like, I don't feel it anymore. 
And I was thinking, I, I want to walk around my life with his hand on my head. <laughs> and the Lord heard that cry and he said, how about if you walk around this life with my hand on your head? How about I give you that kind of faith where you don't need his hand because mine's always on you? How about you get to a place where you just believe? You know, listen, this is, this is what William, William Booth meant when he said, I'm not waiting for a revival, I am a revival. He said, listen, I am so confident that God is with me. He's walking around. His hand is on my head. His presence is on my shoulders. I carry an anointing with me wherever I go. Wherever I go, God goes. That wasn't a boast. That was a reality. Because wherever he went, the presence of God came. He opened up realms. He prayed prayers of faith. He, when they sang, the, the, the anointing, the presence of God filled the room. Not because of the people's need, not because of their faith, but because of his faith. And God is saying, I want more people like that. I want more people like that. I want more people like that. He's saying, I'm making you a person like that. Don't give up. Don't turn back. Don't tuck and run. Commit to the path. Come on, commit to the path. I will continue. I cast off hopelessness. I cast off the heaviness of unbelief. I say in Jesus' name, break off of my life. Now, some of you that have struggled this week, you need to come forward and let others help you today. If you've you've been a sifting time and you you think, this is harder than I've ever had in my life, I don't want you to bear it alone. I want others to come around you. So come to the front. This does not diminish you. This does not make you uh, weak in any way. This is a part of the journey. Every single one of us have had these moments. Come on, team. Leadership team, let's come around these ones. We're going to contend. We're going to contend. Come on, Derek. Come and pray for these ones. Father, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. name. Feel free to continue to pray and languish in the presence of the Lord. Grab a hold of the garment of God. Amen.